God's instructions. In our last podcast, we asked the question, are you ready to meet God? We shared information about the sacrifices God required of His people just in order for them to approach His presence. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. But now, the Creator of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great, mighty, and awesome God who was and is and is to come, is calling His people to meet with Him a third time. This appointment is called Sukkot. It is a festive and joyous occasion, and we, His people, are commanded to come and celebrate with our God and King. Now, who wouldn't want to do that? Mm. But, no, guess what? I didn't know what it was, let alone that it was for non-Jewish believers, too. Miss and I used to walk around our neighborhood seeing Sukkots all over the place and thinking, you know, I wish I knew someone who would teach me something about what those folks are doing. I'm not sure I knew that it was even in the Bible. I thought it was a Jewish thing. Come to find out, it's a God thing. And now that we know, we want you to know too. That being said, I hope you'll stick with us on the journey. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Subscribe to our podcast at redpilltorah.podbean.com. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Tell your family and friends. Let's start doing what our God commands us to do on the day he instructed. Yeah, let's do that. You know, before we get to today's topic, we have some uh, great feedback that we got from one of our listeners yesterday. He suggested that we re-explain where the name Red Pill Torah comes from. So, Mama, can you break that down for our listeners, please? Sure, Dad. The idea of the Red Pill comes from the movie The Matrix. In the movie, Morpheus offers Neo the Red Pill, which will open up his eyes to the truth of his situation, or the Blue Pill, which will allow him to stay unaware of the truth. God's Torah is the truth that we proclaim, and this podcast is about our red pill experience, from church as usual, to believing all of God's word to be relevant to our lives and the lives of his people. Amen, Mama. So at the time of this podcast, it will be the second day of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, right now, we're actually broadcasting from our sukkah, on the deck of our home so if you hear any ambient noise kids in the background whatever uh just uh, pay no attention to that <laughs> okay okay we'll try and do the same uh but at any rate um having just started with the podcast we really were very excited about the prospect of sharing our red pill moments with you uh, but the fall feasts were just around the corner when we first started And we wanted our listeners to know ahead of time what was coming so that you could prepare. Because we really wanted to share more about Yom Kippur and how great a sacrifice our Savior made for us and how great God's plan for us is. We did an extra podcast on that. That's right, Dad. But fortunately, Sukkot is seven days long and an extra day added at the end for emphasis. Mm -hmm. So we are sharing with you now... And hopefully you can just jump right in. During this podcast, we will tell you everything we know about Sukkot. So, Dad, what does the Bible say? Well, in Leviticus 23, verses 34 through 35, the Father said that the 15th day of the seventh month will be a feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. For the first day, 
there is to be a Mikra Kodesh, a holy rehearsal in which no work is to be done. In verses 36 through 38, the Creator discusses offerings that are to be given on each of these days. Now here's a question for our listeners to ponder. Why would our benevolent Creator expect offerings at this time of year from us? Do you think that He actually needs what people would offer Him? Think about that and consider what you know about Him and what you know about His ways. Okay. Uh, Verses 39 through 43 add more detail to the instructions. There is to be a high Sabbath on the first and eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So we get a bonus day to celebrate. The Father instructed his people to take fruit and branches from their trees and produce and rejoice before the Lord for seven days. Mm -hmm. It is to be an eternal ordinance. During the celebration, he instructed his people to dwell in booths, or sukkahs, which are temporary structures. He even gives the reason for his instruction in verse 43. He says, So your generations may know that I made Israel live in temporary structures when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We'll talk a bit more about that in another podcast. Uh, For now, just appreciate that God does not have to give us a reason for what he does. When he chooses to give us a reason, we need to pay attention. Now, if this sounds to you like God ordered an eight-day party, you actually heard right. That's exactly what he did. This is a celebration of deliverance and of freedom. Mm -hmm. Remember what Israel experienced in Egypt and why they needed deliverance from Egypt in the first place. Imagine the sheer joy everyone must have felt, especially seeing the might of the Egyptian oppressors broken and making them incapable of enslaving Israel again. Wow. At the time of this recording, we haven't been to Israel, and I really look forward to one day going. But as I understand it, Sukkot is a joyous time to go. Israeli people have a great time celebrating in the Holy Land, even to this day. So, Tim, let's dig deeper into the meaning and messages of Sukkot. A sukkah is a temporary shelter constructed for the use during the Feast of Sukkot. It is usually topped with branches and often decorated with autumn decorations or ornaments with Jewish themes. Mm -hmm. A sukkah can represent a human body in that is temporary. Even in such a happy time as Sukkot, We remember that our bodies are temporary dwelling places. Many scholars and historians propose that Jesus, the Messiah, was born during the festival of Sukkot, Mm -hmm. giving even more meaning to John 1.14. The word became flesh and tabernacled, or sukkot with us. Yep, we see a parallel between the meaning of the tabernacle and the sukkah. The tabernacle was the tent-like structure that God designed to be assembled, taken apart, and transported with the people of Israel as they traveled to their promised land. It was the place where Moshe would meet with God. Like the Father uh, designed a temporary habitation so that he could live among his people, he designed a temporary body so that his Messiah could live among his people. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, and several other New Testament scriptures 
refer to the human body as a, as a tabernacle. Mm-hmm. When we compare scripture to scripture, we see a hidden message of Sukkot. We are on a journey in temporary bodies, and God is with us. He even made himself a body to be among us. God is with us. That is the reason for the great joy and celebration. God is with us. Amen. You know, even the Old Testament system of sacrifices, for as bloody as that was, served a purpose that really should make us joyful. The animal sacrifices served the purpose of preserving the lives of the people of Israel so that God could be among them and they could live to enjoy His presence. His detailed instructions for how they were to live served to prolong their lives and their ability to be where God was. What an awesome way to understand those sacrifices, including the ones God ordained for every day of the Feast of Tabernacles. What would be too much to give for the opportunity to be close to Him and to live with Him, having Him be your Elohim, your God? And what an opportunity it is to be grafted in and to be precious to the one true God. In Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, God's message to Israel was, If you will do what I say and keep my covenant, you will be a peculiar or special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine, and you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 identifies believers in Messiah as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or special people. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sure does. Verse 11 reminds us that in times past, all of us could not be even called a people, and we had no mercy from God. Now we are a people, and we have mercy. I imagine all of us together in royal priestly garments, partying and celebrating with sheer joy and delight for eight days straight. The Lord of hosts is the host of the party. And we're not just on the list. We are the list. Wow, that's awesome. You know, like the other appointed times in the fall, Sukkot has a prophetic or forward-looking meaning. It foreshadows the marriage supper of the Lamb. In Revelations 19, 6 through 9, John introduces the event to end all events. He heard the voice of a multitude of people. It sounded like oceans or like thundering. They said, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Mm -hmm. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him honor. Now the marriage of the Lamb is here, and his bride has made herself ready. And to the bride was given fine white linen to wear. Now fine white linen represents the righteousness of the saints. The person next to John told him to write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What an occasion that's going to be. Yes, indeed. Um, In fact, in Matthew 22, Jesus told a parable about a king who was preparing a wedding for his son. He sent his servants to invite people to come to this huge spread. Mm -hmm. Some people made light of the invitation, turning it down for whatever reason. Others assaulted his servants, and some even killed them. When the king found out, He sent his armies to destroy the murderers. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, and the people I invited don't deserve to come. Go and invite anyone who's willing to come. The invited 
guests were given wedding garments. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to rent a tuxedo or find a gown or anything. When the king came to greet his guests, he found a man who was not wearing the wedding garment he provided. The king asked him, friend, how did you get in here without the wedding garment I provided for you? The underdressed guests had nothing to say. The king had the guests tied up and thrown out of the wedding into a terrible place, a place of great sorrow and pain. And I believe Jesus' parable and um, what I read in Revelation are referring to the same event, the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, Miss, um, we read in the Revelation that the white linen clothing represents the righteousness of the saints. Mm -hmm. Comparing the scripture in Revelation to what we read in Matthew, it sounds like some people who were actually invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb will ultimately be rejected. Those people will not be wearing garments of righteousness provided by God, the host of the wedding. Now, to me, this shows the great mercy and wisdom of our Elohim. First, he established Yom Teruah to get our attention. It's like he said, stop. Next, he established Yom Kippur, telling us to examine ourselves, confess our sins and repent. Finally, we get to rejoice with him. Stop, repent, rejoice. Hey, that's how we roll, as they say on the east side of town. <laughs> okay. But with that said, you aren't ready to really rejoice in Sukkot if you haven't repented of your sins, you know. Repentance is what you do when you discover that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs are out of line with God's instructions. Repentance is the red pill. So, what would you do in this situation? Only you can answer that question. So, Miss... How do we celebrate Sukkot today? Well, first you build a sukkah. You can look up online if you need instructions on how to build one, or you can simply get a tent. Then you prepare the party for eight days. During this time, you will be celebrating God for his great provision, salvation, and faithfulness with food, songs of praise, dancing, beverages, scripture readings, and teachings. Don't forget, you don't work on the first day because it is a high Sabbath, That's right. a holy convocation. So you get with other believers during that time. Um, you can eat, sleep, or just spend some time in your sukkah for seven days. Med and you can also meditate on some of the scriptures that we mentioned in this podcast. On the eighth day, again, it's another high Sabbath. So you meet with fellow believers again. It's a holy convocation. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please go back and read over the scriptures we've shared. If you have any questions, comments, or encouragement, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. In our next podcast, we'll share a red pill story from one of our great friends from way back. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth.